0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. This is Dan Giffen. Today, I have two guests with me. We have Wyatt and Darren, who are both experienced Push users. And if you know anything about Ableton Live, you probably know that they make an in-house controller called Push 2. Today, we're going to talk a lot about it. We're going to share different workflows that we've adopted using The Push. Uh, Darren and Wyatt are both very experienced Ableton certified trainers who have been around for a long time using The Push. Wyatt Meager is a producer, performer, and teacher based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, He produces under the name YDIZ and organizes the Miami Ableton Live User Group. He's taught at the Miami Conservatory of Music. He's performed at Ultra Music Fest with his project, Telekinetic Walrus, and I'm stoked to have him on the podcast. We also have Darren Kramer, who's a composer, producer, professional brass artist, a DJ, and he's been a musician for over 30 years. He's appeared on many numerous TV shows, performed for lots of artists, including Grammy award-winning saxophonist Michael Brecker. He's toured with acts such as Matchbox 20, legendary jazz Broadway show, Duke Ellington's Sophisticated Ladies. So yeah, definitely excited to have him on the podcast as well. So they share some good insights that I think you guys will enjoy throughout the episode. But before we dive in, I want to give a big shout out to Melodics for supporting this podcast. Funny enough, I've played with Melodics using my Push 2. It's a really great desktop app that you can download and you can practice your finger drumming you can practice playing scales on a midi keyboard you can plug in almost any electronic drum set and just practice your skills in the studio and it's a really great way to learn and have fun learning because there's nothing worse than hating your life while practicing trying to get better melodics is a fun way to step up your skills highly recommend it there's a free trial because we all love free But if you decide to join the subscription, I highly recommend it. It gives you access to a lot more lessons and content and genres to play and practice your skills. So go to melodics.com. If you want to subscribe, use the discount code LPO-20. That's LPO-20. Check it out, save some money, or try out the free trial first. Also, if you don't own the latest version of Ableton Live, then go to liveproducersonline.com slash Happy to hook you up with a discount and it's always nice to save money. So go to liveproducersonline.com slash Quick disclaimer, if you didn't know, I post uh, actual video of these interviews and hangouts with guests on YouTube. But... Because Zoom was being super janky and dumb, um, for some reason the video did not record for the episode that I think video probably could have been most beneficial. So, just as a heads up, there is no video for this, but I think you guys will still find a lot of really good insights and um, some tips and tricks that you can take away from using the push. And without wasting more time, let's jump into today's episode. I would love for people who maybe don't know you guys very well, just for you to do a quick intro. If you just want to introduce yourself, maybe talk about uh, how you got into Ableton Live, projects you worked on, blah, blah, blah. So maybe uh, Wyatt, let's start
1: with you. Yeah, man. Uh, I got into Ableton Live around 2000, and I want to say nine, and I'd made a whole record on Logic. And then I was starting to like wanting to perform the record. And that's when I realized that Logic was not the software I wanted to use for performing anything because my computer would shut down on me quite, uh, you know, damn near instantly. And back then, you know, I wasn't even familiar with how I was going to run sets or anything like that. But uh, I got turned on to Ableton from a friend. I started running uh, the Ableton user group down in Miami in 2010. I I I, I became certified in 2013. Down in Miami, I I uh, ran a project called Telekinetic Walrus. It's like a psychedelic, trippy, uh, fun like festival type band. Uh, we used to travel all around the country and play festivals and do that all all that sort of stuff. But now, rec- more recently, since I moved back up here, I started a new project with my friend Kareen that was actually in the band. Uh, and it's called Unfollow Me, and that's uh that's a new project that uh we haven't even put the music out yet, but oh, nice we've started to push uh just a little bit of the social media stuff to kind of start getting some some traction and, and hype up on the project so
0: yeah this is the exclusive uh release everybody is the first to know this is cool
1: <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah.
0: right on cool man well thanks for being here for sure of course yeah man yeah darren maybe you want to share a little bit
2: sure <clears throat> I'm, I'm darren kramer i'm in denver colorado and i've been a full-time trombonist and pianist my whole life and um I started really getting into electronics and playing through guitar pedals and loopers with my trombone. Um, And once it started to get a little more uh, involved, my good friend Brian Monroney said, maybe you should check out this new thing uh, called Ableton Live. And at that time, it was about 2007. And as soon as I got it, I was just like, whoa, this is a whole new thing. This is an answer that I've been looking for, especially for live. Performance, but then it was like for recording and for creating ideas. It was just uh, kind of connected with the way I was composing music. And yeah, I became a certified trainer then in 2016. And um, I do a lot of cool one man shows. I'm an electric trombone DJ. And uh, now I've been incorporating that into my podcast, which is called Sonic Tonic Experience, where we collaborate with a world class musician and then uh, kind of show how we created the song and uh, also incorporate wellness, how to be more productive, how to be happier as a human being. And um, that all kind of got intensified last year. So I'm really excited about it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I'll have to check out that podcast. I didn't know you were doing that. So I I am curious, when you say electric trombonist DJ, does that mean you're playing an electric trombone while you're DJing? Or does that mean you play electric music
2: (laughs) (laughs) while playing trombone? Electric audio effects on my acoustic horn mm-hmm. so that there's actually uh, you know EWI and EVS out there electronic valve instrument wind instrument where it's basically you blow into this synthesizer and then you can have any capability of midi you know but there is no midi device for trombone currently and i think yeah i don't have a lot of hopes for it either because the with the slide the way it works harmonically um it's hard to get that to track I spent quite a bit of time getting it to work with, uh, and I have a mute where I put it in my horn and then you don't hear any acoustic sound. You're just hearing the audio effects. Mm-hmm. It works really well. And then I'm still feeling like I'm just playing my regular trombone. So that, that's a plus too.
0: Yeah. My, uh, my saxophonist that plays sometimes with me in my live band has an Ewe and he, he loves it. Like it took him a while to get into it. It was kind of weird transitioning, yeah. but, but he loves it. The thing's cool. So obviously today's podcast episode is about using Push. I don't know how long you guys have been using Push, but funny enough, back in 2013, when I went to DubSpot, the Push 1 first came out. In my mind, the Push 2 is a completely different animal. It's a whole different controller really in itself um, with a lot of great updates. But uh, today I'd love just to talk about like your personal workflows, features that you guys love and that you use and adopt into your workflow. I know you guys have been using it for a while. And yeah, I guess maybe let's start with you, Wyatt, um, in your opinion, why the Push versus a lot of other MIDI controllers?
1: There's like 6 billion MIDI controllers out there that you could use, right? Right. Uh, well, uh, awesome. and to kind of elaborate on what you just said, I was, uh, I was an early adopter of Push 1. I had one before they were released. Yeah. And- I I got a second one when I became certified because they gave all the trainers a push when we got certified. Yeah. And uh same thing with the push too. Uh, as a trainer, like I, I had one and got to try that out before it was a public domain, you know. Um but uh the one the thing I like about push man is is uh, just the fact of uh, wh- why I would use it is the way it just seamlessly integrates with live. And that's the obvious answer. Cause really that's, that's what takes it apart from using just, uh, you know, anything else. Um, you know, it, the way that everything is meant to mimic live, you know, it, it's meant to, it's meant to be a seamless transition. Like um, obviously if you're editing anything, you're, you're going to be back and forth in between the computer and and your hardware. But uh, you know, I, I do feel like during my initial creation, I'm, I've spent a lot less time in the inside of the box and I'm using my hardware more. It, it just makes, it makes life a lot easier. Now, now with the screen on, you know, the nice LCD display on, on the push two, you get a lot more, you know, visual feedback on a lot of different, uh, a lot of, a lot of different, uh, you know, devices and plugins and stuff like that, which is really nice. But like, ultimately, man, it's just, it, it just, it completely changed my workflow. It, it made it so that I can sit here, pull up some drum racks, bang out some beats. Now I'm using this capture button all the time. Yeah, like, Love, love the capture button. Same. And then, uh, you know, and then you see what I'm working with. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I, after I'm like, I get something down, I, I, you know, decide what synthesizer I want to start jamming on. Yeah. Bust out some lines. Uh, if I've got, you know, half of the, most all the instruments that I have USB MIDI to, I have them hooked up to my computer as well. Yeah. So what's cool is that, you know, I'm normally, I'm normally when I record outboard gear, I'm like, I'm recording audio. But what what's nice is that if you're, if you do have, a, you know, a MIDI channel up and armed, I can go ahead and take that MIDI situation, capture it, and then throw it back through if I want to as well. Yeah, for sure. But uh, Yeah, definitely. But yeah, man, I mean, ultimately, dude, I mean, I feel like the the push is much more an instrument, you know, than compared to just a MIDI controller. Because, you know, there's a lot more mapping that goes into most MIDI controllers. Now, don't get me wrong, you you get something like a Novation, uh, like, you know, the Novation uh, Launchpad Pro, I think it's called, or something like that. You know, there's some other ones that are pretty decent and can do a lot. But ultimately, I mean, you know, the di- and the difference between the Push 2 and the Push 1 is that the Push 2 is manufactured by and created by, you know, Ableton, whereas right. the Push 1 was manufactured by Akai. Uh, and I mean, dude, the quality is just so much better now that they're doing it all in-house. And I don't know if that's like a – I don't know why that is, you know, because you'd think that Akai, the makers of pads forever would, would you know – would succeed maybe better but uh, you know i don't i'm not (laughs) well
0: no totally and i I think maybe part of that is just like it's easier for them to push updates to it you know if it's completely made in-house so i'm wondering if that was a big incentive as well yeah um
1: that would make sense but yeah i mean it it feels so much better just the response of it i mean it's 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 just a fantastic controller yeah agreed that's
0: why we're here today (laughs) for sure yeah darren Do you want to share maybe in your opinion, like maybe what makes push stand out from other controllers you've used in the past or how you use it?
2: Yeah. I mean, why it kind of nailed it there. It's, I think that is a common trait that's like, if you've, if you've programmed other controllers, then you just get to plug this in and it just auto sees your set. That's so helpful. And, um, and, and kind of the workflow changed for me because I could, I was so used to just doing it in the computer and then, I actually didn't get the push to until 2016 because I had to learn it uh, in and out to, to become a certified trainer. And um, oh, yeah. I was already using the iPad, the Lemur app. Uh, I actually have a Lemur. I, yeah. <laughs> I went to the Nam oh, yeah. show. They yeah. were having half off in oh, cool. like 20, 2009. And I was like, this seems really awesome." And then so I got it. I loved it.
0: You got so sucked blown in. away
2: by it and using it a lot. Yeah. And then, wow. Okay. There's this thing called the iPad that came out. So it put them out of business, but then I was so psyched they had the software come up. You get to program it all, but you have to program it all. So the push is so cool where you just plug in, it works. And um, I use it to trigger some things, but I'm, I'm really using it as an instrument as well. What Wyatt said, it's like it's it's an extension of my keyboard. So I have a MIDI keyboard, but then I also like to solo and create ideas on on the 64 pads.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, same here. You guys took all of my answers, <laughs> but yeah, basically I, I use it as an instrument as well too. Maybe that's a good transition and talking some other like more specific ways that you use it in your workflow. Maybe you guys have like a use case scenario, like on a regular basis, um, maybe for people who already have a push, but maybe they feel like there's a barrier um, or they just need some new ideas and inspiration to kind of actually get in it. Um, what are some like specific ways, um, and maybe you can even list buttons or get detailed that
1: you use the push in some ways. Maybe Wyatt, let's go back to you. Um, honestly, man, my favorite thing about Push is is programming beats. Um, like, Me too. I just you know, I I like getting. I, I actually like using keyboards and stuff like that when I'm when I'm making synth lines. And I still will use uh, keyboard mode in Push. Like, I still really ap- appreciate that. That mode but in all reality i don't use it as much as i'm making beats on my push um and like i was saying i mean pre pre uh live 11 uh i wasn't you know there wasn't no capture button uh but now that there's a capture button i'm creating beats a whole different way than i was just in you know live 10 with push 2 because now normally, because I mean, what I used to do is I'd sit there, I'd kind of like catch a feel. Because I'm not normally just like sequencing and you know, and then just pressing play. Because I feel like it just becomes robotic. But like I, yeah. I would used to like try to come up with a feel, and then I'm then I have to like figure out what tempo I'm kind of at, and then I have to reprogram it and you know put it all in, and then that that's really the translation isn't always hundred percent like what you wanted versus like the vibe you're in. So now you know, with that capture button, has just changed the game. And let's be real, nothing's perfect. It's that's the capture button's not always perfect either. But what, what right. I really like is just going in there, b- banging out some sort of beat, getting some sort of vibe, you know, whatever that is. Pressing that capture yeah. button, hopefully, I, hopefully it gets a good capture, you know. And then from there, I'm just layering, and then. Once I have something going, then I might start sequencing some stuff. I might actually go throw in some some snare drums with with, with the sequencer. Throw in uh, you know hi hats. A lot of times I like to either use a repeater, uh, you know, do a little sequence here and there. Sometimes you know it all depends. Um yeah. But yeah, man, I really, really, really enjoy just the, the way you can sequence beats now with the two. Now I don't think there is a capture button on the push too, which that was... actually
0: there is i, I had to you i had to uh youtube it but if you hold down um the record button and then you hit new that that's actually after
1: that ac- yeah that's well, capture now there yeah. you go you taught me something today so, uh but <laughs> that's all i have but <laughs> but, but you next no year. you'll see you guys <laughs> yeah. later but no man i mean just just that whole that, that whole sequence of, of capturing you know, throwing throwing uh, throwing something, uh, you know, starting a beat, and then a lot of times, you know, I always tell people when you're building beats to doing duplicates and duplicating what you're doing as you're evolving your beat. So, you know, in and having the push at your hands to do that just makes life so much easier than highlighting Apple D or something like that. You just press the duplicate mm-hmm. button, you got a new instance of your beat, then I'm gonna throw my hi-hats on, duplicate yeah. it again, then, you know, build that beat, so then when I'm laying out my track here, and, you know, hopefully not too long, then. I'm I can actually like have, you know, a different palette of, you know, an evolving some sort of evolving beat that, you know, I can build my my, my song up with, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah,
0: totally. That and that kind of speaks to I think the intention behind the push when Ableton was designing it, so you don't have to touch your keyboard or your computer as much. Exactly, man. You know, it, it's just the less clicks, the
1: better. Yeah, I love. You know, and also too, if you forget to do what I just said, you forget to do the duplicate stuff. You can go and just duplicate duplicate your track a bunch of times, and then just go hold delete and just tap on a you know tap on a, a a sound of your drum kit, and it'll take all that you know off of whatever you want it to yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's really intuitive and and really nice workflow really to just hone in on making making those ideas come to life, you know? Yeah. Um, love how you can uh, sit there and quantize inside of it as well. Love holding down quantize. Uh, I never, I try never to quantize to 100%. I'm normally trying to go around like 60, 70%. Keep a little Same. bit more of my natural swing to things. Uh, right. And then I find myself pressing undo a lot because I feel like it ruined whatever I did. So, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, definitely um, holding on that quantize button. I love to use the swing as well. Yeah. So when you hold down quantize, you can swing some of those beats, especially programming drums. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I do that a lot too. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Darren, how about some workflow hacks or things that you do?
2: One thing I was really impressed with that I wasn't ready for was that if you're only working in the computer and then you get the push, it seems like a foreign body, but that's only because it's unfamiliar. So then if you force yourself, even 10 minutes a day, I'm going to, I'm going to create a track or I'll create a beat. And some of these buttons on the push too, it's easier to get to those things than it is even in the program. Um, I found, and especially, Mm -hmm. especially when it becomes a habit, but like why it's saying, yeah, oh, I'm going to quantize it. Oh, I'm going to, um, duplicate. I mean, it's so quick. So your workflow does get faster, but it will be slower right when you get the push too so don't be don't be um kind of derailed by that it's just give it a little it's like you have to take one step back and then you go like three steps forward um one thing about the saying you don't have to touch the the Mm -hmm. computer as much either is some people don't know you always when in doubt use the shift with with another button and it gives you a whole nother it's like, how do you do that? What is it? And one of them that uh, I find a lot of people don't know exists is <laughs> yeah. if you want to record an arrangement view, then yeah, you push the shift record and then you can just kind of get your ideas in a real timeline, you know, um, the push is just cool for, for the ideas in session view. And that's what I use most of the time for that and for performing. Yeah. yeah. But if you want to get a song done and, and you're, you have a deadline, it's like, I want to complete three and a half minute song get it in arrangement view as fast as you can and then start identifying what parts need to be improved or whatever. But, um, but, uh, as far as Mm -hmm. like my main use is as a synth, as a keyboard, I love using the arpeggiator on it and I can kind of create these soundscapes. It does something different than what I would have done on keyboard. I, I I've studied jazz my whole life. I'm all into voicings and, and composition and all that. And so I'm thinking that way. And then when I'm on push, especially in these other formations of not being just in scale mode, it's in that three and four quadrant type things. It, it, it sort of makes me, I don't even know what I'm doing. And, and I thought I would hate that. And I actually love it because then I'm just kind of touching it and new things are happening. And then it's like, whoa, I would have never wrote that. I would have never played that. Yeah. And it, it, it really boggles, kind of jumbles my brain, which is really cool.
0: That's awesome. I feel like I'm the complete opposite in that way, which is great because like my music theory is definitely nowhere close to yours. So for me, I'm always going to chromatic or scale or chromatic or in key um, in the scale mode uh, on the keyboard because I'm always trying to play in key. But I feel like as a jazz artist, like it's probably so much easier for you just to like play on like a keyboard or on your brass and rock out those notes and figure them out that way. As far as like the layout of the push and the pads,
2: so one of the things that you're talking about is super cool. So this is the push over here. This is my iPad lemur app. I kind of control Ableton with this, with these different pages. I already had that set up, so then I thought I would ditch it all, but I found the combination of both is cool for me. So um, I can dial up different synth sounds mm-hmm. or or start loops with the iPad. And then this I'm using more as another keyboard. So here's my real keyboard, um, strings. And then it's all random on here, but you can make it a little less random by changing that layout, right? So here's the scale. We go to E flat major scale. Right, normal, octave, octave. But I found well we should tell people this the, the scale mode is awesome and now they've just put that into more of uh, the upfront way to edit stuff in the actual program of live 11 right but um, in here it's just so kind of like easy to dial up so now it's going to be Dorian there's the minor and here let's switch sound Cool, but you can go to some of these weird scale. here Here's just like a minor pentatonic. Look, at notice the notes change. So now we only have five notes. Yeah. And I can't do that on here as easy. Um, so yeah. I love that it's flat. So one thing I love to do is go... Watch, I can go... I'm going to make a Dorian, E-flat Dorian, but I'm going to switch the layout. And so now still the purples are the roots, but scale is like this
0: yeah and that's more of a, like a guitar type of fingering as well
2: yeah totally It and, and I, I didn't think I would dig it after playing all of this on keyboard for so many years but I, I started to really sort of adapt to it and then um yep. the thing that really makes it fun for me is like I'm playing single notes but then if I turn on the arpeggiator yeah so now two notes but let me just hit random stuff. It's all in E flat Dorian. Yeah. So that's just cool. And I don't even really know what I'm doing. Yeah. It's just, it's all in the same key. And I'm using my ear. And then I can change the gate right in the push. And it's something I might have not yeah. normally done, but it's sitting yeah, yeah. right here in my face. And I just turn this encoder. It's just like.
0: Yeah, for, there's probably a lot of people who are not going to watch this on video. So maybe that's as far as we should go as far as like the display sharing. To your point, the whole um, display of the Push 2 got a nice upgrade. And what you were doing as far as messing with some of the macro controls, it's like all right there ready for you. And you could even use two hands to turn two different things. And for me, that's that's great for automation as well. So recording automation with the push too is something that I really love. Yeah, You can use two, rather than just using your click, like your mouse or whatever, or having to MIDI map and spend the extra time going through the mappings, it's just right there in front of you. So you could use two fingers to control two different macros at the same time if you wanted right there without mapping. Yeah. Big fan of that. Awesome, man.
2: Yeah. It's so it's so fun and creative to kind of, ableton is the perfect mix for me where you can have it pre-planned but then there's the open-ended creative part too and so my jazz musician improv side of my brain loves it because then you you feel safe but then you can step outside of it at any time so when i'm doing my normal set i'm just kind of like wow i haven't really played the push yet i've been playing my trombone the whole time or something yeah um I mean, do you use it for the
0: stage too as well? I mean, both of you guys. Back to you, Wyatt, too. Maybe you listen back to you. Do you use it for live performance or is it mostly just a studio so, controller?
1: So I do use a push live. Um, but it's only because it just it's like what I have right now. Like I I used to have a launch pad, like one of the first ones, and I got rid of it, but I've actually uh I've been thinking about getting like A Launchpad Mini for shows because I don't Mm. I don't need much to perform. A lot of times, like when I'm doing solo shows and stuff like that, I'm just dropping tracks and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. So I've been thinking about getting something with a smaller footprint because I got a newer MacBook that's smaller. I got like a small little you know, interface, like, like, when I used to go travel with the band, man, I would have freaking, like, a huge mono backpack, a rolling bag, a synthesizer, a freaking board to put stuff on, you know, like, just, it's just, it just, like, it was crazy, you know, and, it's been nice. he got a good workout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like as close as I could be to being a, a bass, bassist in a band again or some shit. <laughs> but you know, now I'm like, I don't know these, uh, this past year I started performing, uh, I've been flying down to Miami a few times. So just, you know, cause someone booked me for, uh, just to like go drop some beats, do a little solo show. And, uh, yeah. I have this new little computer, and like it's the smallest footprint I've ever had to go perform, and it's been quite nice. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, you know yeah. that is nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I do use one live, but I that uh, to to elaborate on that would be like, I, it's not necessary for me to use live. I'm not doing anything on it that you couldn't do with something else. Then that that's actually what I was gonna say earlier, like push is for me. I mean, I know this isn't for everybody, but for me, it is very much a studio instrument. Uh, for me, it's it's something that just makes working in the studio that so much better. Now, it is cool for live, and you can do so much with it. Maybe more if you're jamming and you know stuff like that. But like you know, I I don't I don't personally need one live, but I do use one live at the moment. But I normally bring my old push. To be honest with you, I bring the push one just because I don't need to bring really? the push two and. I'm just really launching clips and like doing a little bit of effects and stuff like that. I, I don't need the push two to do that, you know.
0: Yeah, I uh, I totally understand the gear carrying struggles for gigs because I'm a drummer. So like <laughs> at the end at the end of the day, man, it's a lot of shit to carry for sure. Yeah, I, I <laughs> just say the least. I, I feel for
1: you, bro. I'm not... Yeah, man, it's a lot. It's a lot, but we're, it's okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm building muscle or something. I, I, I was a, I was a bass player in my band back when I was like younger before I started doing electronic stuff and uh you know when when I was done carrying my huge ass bass rig and in, into wherever it was I was normally the one helping the drummer too. So
0: Yeah, know. no. I'm sure he appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a good way to be your his favorite band members to help him carry tear up his symbols and everything. i mean you better the base
1: the bass player and the drummer better be best friends because you know otherwise
0: oh it's true <laughs> that is a real thing that's a real thing
1: you gotta have the pocket you know
0: that's true a lot of my best friends were bass players yeah um we had a few people ask questions for this podcast episode specifically about push um the first one is uh, i'm a beginner what are some tips um that i should know for getting started with my push and maybe, Darren, maybe you can answer this one. Let's go back to you.
2: Yeah, like I tell any piano students or trombone students, and I teach Ableton a lot too, it's start, start slow, baby steps, slow repetition, less is more, because it would be a shame if you get overwhelmed and then you feel the defeat and then you feel like quitting. And we need people to make more music, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. um, start slow and ableton.com man these videos on there are so well made and so precise and short yet very informative take one of those and do it five times um i think our our fast paced world everybody wants everything right away instant gratification and some of this stuff takes more practice man some of this is kind of advanced um so be kind to yourself, and really, the repetition part is huge. So not just today five times, but then tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. Rather than two hours in one sitting, and then you don't do anything for a week. There's a lot of time in there to forget stuff. So you got to create a new connection in your brain, and you do that by a little bit every day. So um you know, and do something fun though. Just like Wyatt's saying, start with a beat. <laughs> that stuff's fun. It's pretty easy. Program it in or play it in, and. Um, and then see how it works. And you can fix everything with the quantize. And even if you can't start again, you can't make a mistake, you know?
0: No, definitely. One thing I tell a lot of my students um, who, because, you know, there's the deal on ableton.com, you can purchase live yes. 11 and a push at the same time. I feel personally, it's a lot easier to learn the software before the hardware, um, especially for something like push that was made to be a slave to live. Yeah, for me, I always tell people, like, learn the software first before jumping into Push um, to answer that person's question, whoever you are. Um, Yeah.
2: And do they know about the built-in, you know, the tour of live? Do that. Yeah. It opens up with that little tutorial. It has a pre-made set with music in it. Mm -hmm. And then it says, click on this, follow through with this. And Ableton has really thought about this stuff. So they're here to help you take advantage of the tools that are already built in, you know. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Help View all day, man. But when I get a new student, I tell them to go through the lessons on Help View. uh, If you're talking about learning the software first, Uh, I I tell them before they even get me to come and like teach them anything to just go through the lessons in Help View because it kind of just you know smooths out some bridges that you know will just it's just basically a waste of both people's time if if you're paying me for it. Yeah, and then uh, you know, and then same thing. Just to mimic what you said, Darren is is go and and check out those push videos. Like I think that's the number one thing. If you're really trying to learn push as a beginner and you're a little stuck, is just go open the the push tutorials. I'm pretty sure it's on their YouTube channel or whatever. And there's probably a link. You know, there's definitely a link from the website. And uh, so there's multiple ways to get to this information and just do the tutorials. It's that simple, and they're all very quick, easy, and like. You'll literally. I mean, as a trainer, if I'm gonna go do a, you know, like in the not not today, but like in the past, before I've like like when push was just coming out, a lot of times that's how I was prepping for for making sure I was on point, sh- showing people how to use push. Was I'd go watch these videos just to make sure I was on the same page and not missing something, you know? Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: Definitely. For sure. Another thing for beginners, like last week, I had somebody tell me, be like, you know, I like the push too, but the push one was brighter. And I was like, well, did you, did you plug it in? (laughs) And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, power cable, bro. Plug it in. He's like, no way. And then he was just like, mind blown. He's like, it's so much brighter. He's like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta plug it in.
2: One thing that's funny about watching comments on the, on different Facebook groups and whatever people get really worked up. And they like to say mean things it's a good lesson for life just in general with social media maybe you don't know everything so frame it in a question instead of a an angry statement and just go hey am i possibly (laughs) missing something here um my push is not very bright and then oh yeah man i mean it's a whole different energy that you're you're creating when you're when you're coming from it like how can i learn more how can i grow I'm sure there's an answer for this, you know, instead of just going, Oh, Ableton skipped it. They're very bright people. Yeah. Trust me. I've, I've been to the headquarters. I've hung out with a lot of people involved with Ableton. <laughs> They're very smart and they care about you, especially yeah. the beginner. Um, so just know you're, you're, you're in w- entering a really nice family. So,
1: yeah. Wh- which also goes into point of why I don't like it for, uh, for, for performing live is because you have to have that cable, to plug in your push uh if you want to see yeah, yeah. if you really want to see it i'd rather have it really a little brighter or whatever like and not and yeah. not potentially get the cable ripped out on stage or whatever the hell you know what i'm saying so you know that's that's yeah. one thing it, it would have been nice if it was that bright without the power cord you know to that guy's defense but <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> but yeah
1: but I don't know. but the but i you know you you do you have to you have to plug the thing in and that's that's okay with me because it sits on my desk <laughs> yeah
2: it's That's funny, true. I kind of, um, with those problems of setting up fast, I mean, as a trombone player, I have three parts to my horn, I'm out after the gig, you know, like in one minute, and then the poor drummer and keyboard players are still loading in, um, loading out, and so I made an actual rig designed for my stuff, so that little bit that people saw if they're going to watch this, but yeah, the keyboard, the push, the, the iPad, and my laptop are all, already hardwired in and I just have to take off all the, the covers and then I plug it in mm-hmm. so my push is built into my rig and so at least there's only one real cable going to the stage and so everything is yeah kind of um, self-contained yeah, same. so I haven't really had any problems.
0: Man, I've heard too many stories to trust the power supply at every venue because I played some real like shitty venues before where I just <laughs> I don't know if, and I played some nice venues and you just never know. You want a consistent setup. So yes, to your point, Darren, that simple's better. I definitely plug everything into my Furman in a little yeah. rack. And then just there's that one plug, just give it to somebody else. That power conditioner is nice too. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, I got three in the studio. <laughs>
0: yeah, always. Power conditioners for the win. Yeah, this episode is sponsored by Furman. No, just
2: kidding. (laughs) good one, yeah.
0: (laughs) Would love that, actually. Furman, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, Okay, other other question. Um, I've been using Push 2 for a while now. Any advanced tips that you could offer? Please let me know. I don't know if... We talked about a lot of different things. I don't know if anything comes to either of your minds as far as some advanced tips. One thing I could say, maybe I don't know, it's not that advanced, but... I really love to use the repeat button and for hi-hats like for making like if you're into trap or whatever even hip-hop and swinging the hi-hats if you just hit repeat and then I'll just like jump up and down between 16 notes eight notes triplets and just kind of jump between that and recording um, that's always
1: kind of fun I, I like using the velocity mode for hi-hats as well uh, yeah because that's a, a mode that not a lot of people use um Mm -hmm. and it's really nice to get a nice shuffle with your drum sounds uh if you go and like you know obviously i mean i i'm not an official drummer like I, i wasn't a drummer growing up i'm just a beat maker and beat head but you know, it's nice to try to make your drums sound a little bit more real and stuff like that, and yes. that's one of the things that a lot of people don't know about uh, and don't use. Because I mean, if you're trying to go in and draw velocities, uh, it's a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but using that velocity mode, you know, you select your, you select your sound, and you switch to velocity mode on there, and then it's just all—it's basically the shaded the, the shades of white going from lowest to highest and normally I'll do my accent beats with the hard harder hit and then I'll go in there and I'll make some ghost notes with some of the lower velocities that you just basically pick a sl- velocity and I'll slam them in real quick and before you know it you got a few bars of, of some nice shuffly grooves um, and that's that's then the layout button
0: right so if you click layout yeah. that'll take you into the different modes and then velocity modes in there exactly
1: yeah you, you have yeah. three modes the, uh, the, the the instrument mode the the velocity mode and then the the sixty four pad mode. I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah, it's good tip, man. Thanks. Yeah, man. I'm sure,
0: somebody's I'm sure somebody's eating that up. And, and I don't know
1: if <laughs> uh, I don't know if people are into. I mean, uh, I don't know how advanced or not uh, you would consider it, but I don't know how many people uh, will take samples of of anything. Like I like to record a lot of drums and stuff like that from mm-hmm. vinyl and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I'll take a a, a sample and simpler. And, yeah and there's a lot of stuff that they did that was you know back in 10 but I mean simplers is cooler than sampler almost and the, yeah. what you can do inside of simpler you can go ahead and edit and, and you know kind of adjust you know stuff for the whole sample itself and then using the push you can convert that to drum uh, to a drum rack and then you actually mm-hmm. have control over each sample after you've already, created this uh you know created this vibe with the simpler uh yeah. and uh it's something that you wouldn't it's not something you do without push. you, you kind of have to have to have to have push to do that so yeah yeah
0: for sure yeah i do the same thing you just like go into splice or wherever just grab a four bar loop and you can do some really cool sampling techniques with that convert button that you mentioned yeah and you can drop yeah. it into a simpler or you can uh, convert harmony to MIDI mm-hmm. or melody to MIDI, drums to MIDI, drum pad. Oh, yeah. I and love converting stuff, too, stuff. for
1: sure.
2: Um, I, did, I did it with the trombone stuff. So then you're like. Oh, nice. And it's so fast. And, and it's actually easier to do with that convert button. It's just like, boom, right to a simpler. And I'm already slicing it up. Yeah. And it literally takes maybe seven seconds, you know where if you're actually mm-hmm. doing it in your studio on the computer, it's like, where's that thing? How do I make it? It's, it's actually more efficient and, and it's more tactile. Cause then you can kind of just see all these pads and like, what's that one do. And that's an advanced technique. If people don't know you hit shift, what is it? Shift and to change the color. I haven't done it in a little while. You can change the color of the pads on your. Oh push. yeah. Yeah.
1: I do that when I build my own drum racks. So yes. I'm Cause like...
2: then when you come across a cool one, and you open it up next time you want to go oh yeah those red ones that i turned change color those are the ones that yeah. have, are the money the money clips
1: yeah yeah well, i'll do it like i'll i'll i uh you know a lot of times when i'm making drum kits i'm making them out of like synthesizer sounds so like a lot of times you know it's really easy to you know slightly change a sound or drastically change a sound with a few terms of a different you know few parameters on your synthesizer So like, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a few different kick drums and those will all be a color. And then like my, my scenarios will be a color and my hi-hats and then my percussion and stuff, whatever. But I like that's, I like to use the the switching colors for that sort of stuff too. Yeah,
0: definitely. For sure. Cool. Well, this has been awesome guys. Like, thanks for joining the podcast. Um, I know we're getting short on time right now, so I'll let you guys go. But uh, where's the best place for people to stay connected with you in the future? Um, Maybe Darren could start with you
2: um electric trombone dj.com i've been doing so much with the podcast sonic tonic experience i now both of those go to the same website so sonic tonic experience.com or electric trombone dj.com and um have the podcast have courses and have all my music i have six cds and full 10-piece funk band funk latin and jazz and um A lot of great guest artists on it. But now, you know, in the last 10 years, I had really started incorporating live and electronic effects and stuff. So a lot of fun stuff there. And I have a YouTube channel too, Electric Trombone DJ. Go there and subscribe and all kinds of tutorials and cool stuff. So
0: awesome. Yeah, I'm obsessed with brass. So maybe down the road, I'll have you record some stuff for me selfishly. I would love that.
2: (laughs) Oh, and yeah. And actually, the group that um, sort of morphed out of my Disableton thing with my band is called dko electric electro horns and so it's a four piece horn section with my ableton rig so the band is is my computer and then four live horns uh, with live looping and live audio effects and it's super fun so yeah we'd love to do something
0: yeah that'd be cool Awesome. Yeah. And everybody listening, I'm going to include all the links that Darren just mentioned in the show notes. So go check that out and uh, click them, give them a follow. Uh, Wyatt, how about you? Where's the best
1: place to connect? Uh, if you're trying to just like link up with me, man, I'd say hit me up on my Instagram, uh, at Y D I Z walrus. Y-Diz walrus? Um, and then on my actual, like, you know, you can just send me a DM or I've got i uh, I've got links to my new project that, you know, I should actually be dropping, uh, some I uh, got we got a new music video and, and some and a bunch of new tracks that we're gonna be dropping within these next few months. I know the first one hopefully should be in the next month or two. Um Sick, but yeah, awesome. we got we, that. That all we got links to the unfollow me and my my walrus project, and I even have a this like meditation YouTube project I've been working on for like my own mental health uh, that I have on there, and I got links to all that stuff on on my uh, at ydiz walrus on Instagram. And, uh, if you want to shoot me an email or something, you can too. but I probably respond to Instagram quicker, but, uh, my email is why uh, it's why does at gmail.com. So ydizmusic at gmail.com.
0: Sweet. Cool. Everybody listening, check out the show notes for that as well. Uh, much love to you guys for joining the podcast. I appreciate your time. I know you're all really busy. Um, but I'm sure there's some good stuff for people to learn and chew on here. Cool. Cool. Guys, take it easy. Have a good week. All right.
1: All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. Have a good night. See you soon. Great hang. Take it easy, y'all. Good Peace, to guys. See you guys. Bye.
0: yo thanks again everybody for listening to the podcast once again i would really appreciate you to like subscribe wherever you're listening um feel free to join the newsletter if you want to be the first to know when new episodes come out and receive some other cool ableton live content and things that i'll be sharing stay connected with me go to liveproducersonline.com newsletter hit that subscribe button give me your email i'll try not to spam you And yeah, thanks again for listening to the podcast, everyone. Stay tuned for every Tuesday or almost every Tuesday, we'll be releasing new episodes. And very soon we have a Max for Live podcast coming out, which I'm really stoked for. So you don't want to miss that one. Much love. Have an awesome week. Happy producing. See you guys next time. Later.